All right, welcome back to Gal on the Go and Plug. My guest today is Lori Palau, a lover of coffee, dogs, and true crime podcasts. A gal after my own heart. But the reason why Lori is on Unplugged today is because she's the founder of Simply Be Organized, in which she writes, teaches, and works with people of all ages, helping them to declutter through smarter, more simple, and practical solutions. Hey, Lori. Hey, how are you? Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for being on Unplugged. Uh, Let's get into your life passion. So for listeners who may not know, what does a professional organizer do? So it's always that it's it's funny that you that you ask. So before I answer the question, like people say, what do you do for a living? And because I do a lot of different things under the umbrella, I kind of never know how to answer that question. But a professional organizer in a the biggest broad stroke sense is somebody that comes in to help you declutter and create organized systems and strategies, whether it's in your home or your business, to be able to hopefully enjoy your space and the people that are in it and not be surrounded by clutter. But again, over the years, professional organizing has really developed a wide spectrum of people that specialize in all different walks of life. People help helping them with move management and downsizing and you know all the things. So it's really grown and evolved, I would say, over the 13 years that I've been doing this. Wow. So this is the modern spin on organizing. <laughs> yeah. When I first started back in 2009, people thought that professional organizing was something that was reserved for either hoarders or like lifestyles of the rich and famous. Like those were the two extremes, either, oh, you must have tons of money that you can hire somebody to come in and organize your 10,000 pairs of shoes, or you have some sort of, you know, chronic disorder. And what I tried to do is really normalize that and say, well, those are really extremes, but my core demographic was, and still is to this day, really busy women. Um, I don't want to just limit it and say moms, because a lot of people I work with don't have kids, or maybe they might be like empty nesters, Um, but people that are just living their life. And we all know life is busy and life itself is hard and not everybody has those tactical skills to know how and what to do where. And it can become very overwhelming for people. And I just was like, your stuff shouldn't control you. And so I just wanted to try to remove some of that stress because we all have enough of it anyway. I love it. And it's so true. And I think that it's amazing that you took something that was kind of getting a stereotype label put to it with those two types of people that everyone, you know, kind of had come to mind when they thought of organizing and you like flip the script and it was like, no, it's not just narrowly those things. It's so much more than that. That's really cool. Um, So What moment in your life inspired you to become a professional organizer? You know, I I would love to say I had this like big aha moment. Um, I think it was a bit more organic than that. Um, Really, 
in a nutshell, what made me turn this kind of way of life into a business was the catalyst was a friend of mine who's a professional, was a who's an interior designer, had said, can you come and do some consulting and help some of my clients because they are saying they need some design help. But really what she saw was them struggling with clutter. But to kind of go back before that, what I was doing was really just living my life. At that point, when I started, I had like a like a seven and a nine-year-old and my life was just busy mom stuff. And I was a executive recruiter before. And so I had always worked with people and I just loved finding out what motivated people, what motivated them to change their job, what motivated, you know, was it, what, what motivated you in life? But on my personal side of things, I was a working mom with two little kids a husband who traveled a ton for work. And so I had to create systems and strategies in my own home and in my own life so that I could get the things done that I needed to get done and I could delegate to what to the different people. And it was really just more of my own self-preservation. And I saw my friends struggling with things that came kind of second nature to me, whether it was organizing their space, whether it was organizing their time. And I was just very disciplined naturally. That's just part of my personality. And I've now kind of woven that into some of the work that I do, but I didn't really analyze it like that at the time. I just was like, well, I'm good at this. And this is just something that comes naturally to me. Like some people are good at music or sports or whatever, like this is what I was good at. And so my friends knew that. And so fast forward, when my one girlfriend had said to me, you really should do this as a business. And I was like, eh, whatever. And then she said, can you help me? And I went with her as a favor to do a couple of consultations and realized that I was able to articulate the systems and strategies to people and they were having their light bulb moment. They were like, oh, okay. So that is kind of what the catalyst was to say, you know what, maybe I could do this as a business. That is so cool that you stated it in as far as like for you, it was organic, right? It's like just this natural gift that you have that you transitioned and trial and error and perfecting it over time through like your own experiences, it came to be. And like you provided, which is so cool because I had actually never heard this before from someone, aha moments for other people. That's pretty powerful. And that's just really, you know, amazing. So I love that. (laughs) Well, thank you. And I guess, you know, my, my point is because I know your show is all about you know, empowering and inspiring women. And I love doing that. And I've actually kind of incorporated that as my business has grown and evolved over time. And now I help other women who are looking to maybe have either a transition in their life, maybe they're looking to do something with professional organizing. Maybe their kids are graduating or going off to school, or maybe they want to do a side hustle because they're not fulfilled in their day job or whatever the reason is. And I think for me, I always tell people, whatever it is, whether it's organizing, whether it's art, whatever your thing is, there's a place. You just need to tap into what comes naturally to you. The money will follow, right? The things will follow. But if you you want to 
help, if you can serve and help other people with something that's a natural gift for you, then you will attract those types of clients or you will attract those, whatever it is, customers, listeners, whatever your thing is. And that will just come through. And then you can partner with people to help you with the tactical part of like, okay, well, how do I refine this? But, you know, I I tell my story because again, like I said, I wasn't necessarily setting out to start a business. And throughout the evolution of my business, it's all just been very um, natural. You know, my, when I, my podcast and the speaking and Right, all of the things I didn't force it, and I think that was that took a lot of pressure off of myself. And I see it with people with organizing too, with their stuff, because obviously we're here to talk about organizing. But I want to say, you know, we are so surrounded with so much that we can lose it, can become overwhelming, and we can come become paralyzed in where do we go first? What do we do? They have to think we have to do all the things. And really, my approach is let's strip it away. Let's like start with a clean slate, which is actually kind of how I approach organizing a space, you know, like let's strip it away and let's start from like from from the get-go. And what do we want to add back in? Because it's hard when you're trying to declutter to make decisions when you're surrounded by clutter. So let's just let's just all pull it aside and say, what do we want to add back in? I love that. I love that. You basically are like, okay, we've got all this. Let's edit it, take it apart and like layer back to it. Instead of starting from the overwhelming standpoint, you're like working up to the adding on standpoint. And that's way less intimidating. That's a really cool way of going about it, I think. And that's why you're such a cool gal on the go. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Now, okay. So like, of course, because it comes so natural to you, right? It's, um, it must be the case where I figure you go places like a family member's home, uh, you know, a friend's home. And I was just wondering, like, when you walk into an environment, is it difficult for you to turn off your organizer brain when you see situations that like, you know, you can make better and someone didn't necessarily like ask for, you know, help or input, but you just feel the need to be like, oh, I know this could be like so helpful if I tell them like such and such. Yeah. You know, that's a great, great question. And I would say I've matured and realized over the years. So the short answer is, yes, I am aware. Like I will see if I walk into a space and I see something that you know, piles of paper or a sink full of dishes or whatever the thing is. Um, but I go more off of the cue of the people because it really isn't the stuff. And it's, I always say, clutter's how it makes you feel. And something, just because something's a pain point for me, doesn't mean it's a pain point for somebody else. So the only time I really would interject with somebody is if I saw them really having that guilt shame, embarrassment, overwhelm, all of those negative emotions surrounding their stuff. I might then say, if there's a way that I can help you, I can, but it wouldn't come from more of a critical perspective of like, let me come in and fix you because 
it's like, to me, it's the same way if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I think if you cut out bread, you would probably lose a few pounds. Like who wants to hear Right. Like, I don't want you, like, if I asked you, oh my gosh, I know that you are like a personal trainer and a nutritionist and I am just really struggling. I can't lose these last 10 pounds. I'm inviting that person into that conversation, but I really don't want to butt in where I'm not asked because I just, again, A, it would, can be very off-putting. Um, but I just, if anything, I just feel that, you know what, if there's a way that I can help you improve your life and you are asking me for it, I'm more than happy to share that insight. Otherwise, you know, um, you're having me over your house for, you know, pizza. I'm just going to enjoy my pizza. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point. You know, like I didn't think of it in that way. And um, that's like a beautiful way of stating it that like, unless, you know, you're asked, you know, you're not really going to just be like volunteering this input. Um, and it's very gracious of you. So uh, and I, don't I will judge. be more mindful. And I don't judge anybody. Like people feel the need to apologize when I come over that, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. And, and there's no reason I'm not judging anybody when I go over their house. I don't know what's going on in your life. Like you could have just come back from a trip or been running your kids all over the place or who knows what. So there's no judgment from my perspective. I think that's something that people just put upon themselves. So, you know, that I can, I can dispel that myth at all. Like, and what's my threshold for looking at clutter and getting overwhelmed? Like, unless you are like a true hoarder where I can't walk in your house, um, I would not have a re- reaction. I like your honesty. <laughs> People think that, you know, uh, I, I have a, a editor writing background. So when they send me emails, I get the whole disclaimer, like, oh, please don't edit my emails or correct my grammar or anything. I'm like, I'm not doing that. This is off hours. It's not my work. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. I'm not judging your emails. Don't <laughs> trust me. <laughs> so I can relate to where you're coming from. That makes perfect sense. <laughs> so, okay. Um, you said that you believe that it's not about the bits, that disorganization goes beyond piles of paper. And like you said, stacked dishes and overflowing closets that clutters a deeper issue resulting in feelings of shame, anxiety, stress, and more. Can you please explain that a little bit more? Absolutely. And I think this kind of comes to the crux of my approach with organizing is there's a lot of power that our stuff has over us, right? And there's a million quotes about people saying, you know, don't let your stuff control you. And, you know, the stuff you own starts owning you and all of this. And really the end of the day, like I said, I was seeing my friends feeling like I don't want to have you over for a play date because there's stuff around. And I'm we're relational people and I'm an extrovert. So I get energy from other people. And I'm also a homebody. And I love going over my friends' houses. Like I would much rather go have like a movie night or pizza at my friend's house with a few couples than like go out to like a you know somewhere else. And 
so for me, hospitality is like really big, just having people over and wanting people to feel comfortable in my space. And I saw so many people in my personal life that felt like their their clutter or disorganization was was the roadblock. And the immediate knee-jerk reaction was, let me go buy something to fix this, right? Let me go buy this bin, basket, system, whatever it is, planner. Like think about your time because I talk a lot about like what I call calendar clutter. And you know, how many times do people buy all it's the new year, I'm gonna buy this planner. And there's nothing wrong with doing any of these things. But that's not the root of the problem. I think we have to look at why, especially if it's your your clutter is because you don't have the right system or strategy. The bin isn't going to do that. And I used to make the analogy all the time. I haven't done it in a while, but it really holds true. It's like if you want to become a runner or you say you want to become a runner and you go out and you buy a really expensive pair of sneakers that are rated like these are the greatest sneakers to help you go run whatever, a marathon you know, whatever, 5K. And you get those sneakers and you just put them on the shelf. Well, now you have these great sneakers, but the sneakers aren't themselves doing anything unless you wear them and apply it. Like unless you get them on your feet and you go out and run and you train and you have that strategy of, okay, I'm going to run this amount. I'm going to stretch. I'm going to do all these things. The sneakers enhance it. The sneakers make it easier. They make it more enjoyable. And then maybe they'll get some of the like frustration and kinks out if you're running in your old tennis sneakers. So yes, but the sneakers themselves aren't having you run the race. It's you and your discipline and knowing how do I pace myself? How do I do all of these things? And so I want to dispel the myth that the product is the solution. Like maybe that's going to help you a hundred percent. I mean, I have organizing products all over my house and I endorse them, but that's never where I start. And I always, I've walked into, and I don't know if anyone can raise their hand and I've been guilty of it too, where you're, you know, at a store or now we're even like scrolling on social media and you see something, you know, an ad for something of this great, you know, bin or basket or you know, something to store your whatevers. And you're like, oh my God, this is going to solve my problem. And then you get it and then you get it. And now that becomes your clutter. So now you've just added to the problem. And then you have the self-deprecation of like, I, once again, I can't get organized. So I'm just going to throw in the towel and I'm just going to live a life of disorganization rather than getting to let's peel back the layers and say, where Where's it stemming from? Where's our clutter stemming from? Uh, I love that analogy. And I'm so guilty of that same exact thing. And honestly, I didn't even realize it. Like, that is true. You see something that, you know, you think is going to be something that, oh, this is going to be like the perfect item I've been looking for to help me, you know, solve, you know, such and such problem. And then you're like, okay, now it just like became part of that problem. Not a solution. So that's an excellent point. Um, now you touched upon, you had just said about, and I never thought about this, like calendar clutter. So could you expand a little bit more on that? Absolutely. So, you know, when most people think of clutter, they think of physical clutter, piles of paper, 
laundry, dishes, whatever, you know, the stuff, you know, you, they have the image of even like on my book cover, they have the image of the pile of clothes or, you know, you're tripping over toys or just old stuff in the garage. And that is all true. That's physical clutter. It's a volume thing. You have your stuff, more is coming in than is going out, 100%. But it's not as linear as that. So I look at clutter. And when I started to really work with clients and look at patterns, I, I, I broke down clutter into three main categories. Now, there's subcategories from that. But for all intents and purposes, I talk about three main categories. Your physical clutter, which is, again, what most of us think of. Then we have emotional clutter, which is that guilt and fear that holds us back from getting rid of things, whether that's sentimental reasons, whether that's a scarcity mindset of I might need it someday, or it could be something cost me a lot of money, so I feel like I should hold on to it, or my kid made this, so I need to hold on to it. So it's not so much about the thing as it is about the emotion that's tied to it. So then we talk about that emotional clutter. And then the third type of clutter, which we, which I referenced, is what I call calendar clutter. And calendar clutter really has to do with being overscheduled. And it results primarily from either not using your time efficiently, like I'm just, and again, I'm not shaming social media. I scroll too, and do, but you know, maybe you're just not using your time wisely, or maybe you're being really disciplined with your time, but you just have too many things, right? Like you, I've seen plenty of people whose closets are, for all intents and purposes, organized, but they just have too much stuff, and you can only organize with within the confines of the space that you have. And when, when you think about your calendar, for all of us, we all have 24 hours in a day. And so we only have so many working hours that we can do things. And just like people have different size spaces, different size homes, so that some people, you know, can, you know, if you have a big closet, a big walk-in closet, you can account for more stuff. If you have a small studio apartment, you're going to have to be more streamlined. It's the same with our calendar. If you're somebody that can operate on five hours of sleep or three hours of sleep, you could probably get more things done in a day. But if you're like, listen, if I don't get seven, eight hours of sleep, I'm, you know, I'm like a mess and that would be me. Um, I have to be really strategic with the time that I have that I can do things. And we... I've talked or I've I've worked with and spoken with countless people whose homes and spaces are organized and they can be very disciplined and practiced when it comes to assigning things homes and editing when need be but really struggle with with removing things from their calendar so they'll constantly be adding things on sure I can volunteer for that sure I can do this sure I can show up here sure I can do all these things and when you add all of that in and you're constantly adding volume onto your calendar and not removing anything, that's when we start to feel burnt out, stress, things fall through the cracks, and we have that frustration, anxiety, all of those other things. And so that's really how I look at calendar clutter. 
I think that's an amazing point because, again, I think people would think in terms of tradition of the physical clutter and to your point with social media and just kind of like that indirect sort of pressure from it, you know, that, oh, my God, all these people are doing things. I got to do things because you're feeling that guilt um, of, you know, not being as productive or doing as much as, you know, other people. Um, and with you having been in this business for over a decade, can you say that you think, um, or maybe it's not the case that like the calendar clutter has kind of overtaken the organizational physical type clutter, or are they both kind of like equally it's a great, you know, in the mix? That, that's actually a really good point. And it, it, it breeds me to, to say, which I usually kind of lead with this just so that people know. So when I, I think they're interrelated is the short answer. And so if I were to be speaking and I have it also in the book, I have a visual model of three concentric circles that are overlapping because they all weave into one another. Um, If you are overscheduled and you are constantly on the go and you're never home, then it's natural that things at home are going to fall by the wayside. You know, our homes then become just like a, our homes become a drop spot. When you're constantly on the go, whether you're on the go with work travel, whether you're on the go as a mom and you're running your kids 10 different directions or whatever the situation is, if you're not there to put in the work to do the heavy lifting of laundry dishes, the mundane, just the mundane maintenance and we're going on the assumption that you don't have a staff to come and do that, right? So we're 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 sure. using the assumption that this is you you know either you're delegating it to somebody else and you're so that things are happening, but if it's falling on you and you're just overscheduled, there's just no time. And so I talk about these five clutter pitfalls that people fall into: procrastination, indecision, guilt, overwhelm, and time. And there's a lot of people that are like, listen, I can make the decision. I'm not struggling with emotional clutter. I don't have the guilt or any of that stuff, but I'm just on the go. If every weekend you're running around and weekends are when you would normally, you know, you work all week and then you're gone all weekend. Well, uh, of course things are going to pile up, you know, that's just, it's got to happen. And so, um, I think also, you know, doesn't, they don't have to be siloed. I think they can be interrelated, but most people, when I talk about the three different types, most people will resonate with like, I can identify that is a little bit more, like one of them seems a little bit more dominant for for most people. And that makes sense. That's fair because, you know, people's lives are like similar to an extent, but like also, of course, very different. Um, so, okay. With that said, like, given that that's the case with people, are there three of your, like, let's say your top three tips that you can give people that, that can be kind of used across the board, given any, you know, situation that they're in? Um, yes, absolutely. And, you know, I don't want to do like your traditional, like give everything a home kind of thing. Cause I mean, <laughs> that is true. I mean, it, it is, it's, it's basic and it's true, but like, we've all heard it before. So I was trying to think about this kind of leading up to this call. So one of the things that I think is really important is the ease of retrieval. So when most people think about, I'm going to organize something. I'm going to organize a space. Um, It's where am I going to put it? 
Where's it going to go? I'm going to put it in a drawer, cabinet, whatever it is. And that's great. But the whole point, in my opinion, of a organized whatever, fill in the blank, is how quickly can I get this when I need it? And so as opposed to just saying, okay, I'm just putting it here inadvertently, you want to make it so that when you actually need said object, whether it's a spice in your spice cabinet or something out of your garage or the declarations page of your insurance you know, form, that you know, how can I get this quickly without wasting time? Because the average person waste almost an hour a day looking for best stuff and wow. so or misplaced stuff. And so, and it doesn't have to be all at once, but it could be 15 minutes here, 10 minutes there. I'm looking for this here. So I think regardless of where you think you might struggle with clutter and organization, think about the ease of retrieval before you put something away. So that's usually where I kind of start with that. Love it. Um, in terms of uh, you know, with your space, I think really planning is really important. A lot of times people will, or I should say this, you have two types of people. You've got the, you've got the people that are big planners, like I'm going to plan to do this, and then they never really execute it. Like I'm going to plan, I have all these grandmaster plans, but then I never quite pull the trigger to do it. So they talk about organizing their space. Maybe they listen to podcasts or read books or watch, you know, stuff on HGTV, but they never really dive in and do it. Then you've got the people that just say, I've had it and they have no plan and they just start going in there and tearing the place up. And then a lot of times they will because they don't have a, a plan or a strategy going in, they'll dive in and get midway through and then like crash and burn. Cause they're like, I, I don't even know. I just started this thing. Cause I like tripped over and I see this a lot, especially in bigger spaces, you know, like you came in and you just tripped over one too many Legos or, or you, you know, walked in through the garage or whatever it is and you've had it and we've all been there, you know? And so you say, that's it. I'm just going to start and you dive in head first. And then all of a sudden you just hit, you just hit a roadblock. And so I think really the, the, the sweet spot is to look at the planning and the execution together and really figure out. And like, that's what I do. I talk about this on the show. And when I work with clients, um, I would say, what do you want your space to look like? like? What are the, what do you really want out of this space? And then say, okay, what are the categories that are going to live there? Like I was just having this conversation the other day with somebody that's like, I, the basement are, their basement's a mess and they're, they have tons and tons of volume. We know that. Like, I want you to come and organize the basement. I said, okay, before I even come in there to help you do that, the first thing that I need you to do, and this is something that I can't do for you, you need to do it for you because you live in your space, is how do you want the space? What do you want the space to look like? Like in your perfect world, what would that look like? What would this be? Would it be a play space? Would it be a workout space? Would it be, this is where I have a workshop? What, whatever that is, there's no right or wrong answer. And then you say, okay, well, what are the categories that I want to live here? And so once you can, and you literally write them down. So then you know, okay, if I want my basement to have 
uh, memorabilia and overflow, like entertaining stuff and some kids' toys, and you have that list, then you already know, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And then you can execute and say, if things don't fall into this category, they have to leave. But if you just go in there and try to organize without the plan, you start losing sight of where am I going? So the plan helps kind of provide guardrails for people. And I think that can go through with any space. And you can do that with your calendar too. You could say, what am I trying to do? What am I, what do I want to do? Is whether it's work or hobbies or volunteerism or whatever. Look at okay, what do what am I trying to accomplish? Because how many times have people gone to bed exhausted, depleted? I don't even know what I did all day. And then you then you start feeling that same cycle of guilt and shame and all this like I mean I'm I'm, I'm you know I feel like I'm like drained and drowning and I don't have anything to show for it. So sitting back whether it's time blocking and saying let me do an inventory of how am I actually spending my day like a food diary for your calendar which is so annoying but it does work. <laughs> It does work when we see all that we do and we, you know, again, it's like, oh, I don't eat that much. And then you're like, oh, well, I didn't have that handful of potato chips or whatever it is, you know, we, it keeps us real and that intentionality with same thing holds true with our, with our calendar. And I see that with people who are like, I want to do blank. I want to work out more. I want to read. I want to do this. But when you look at, again, how many hours you've actually having a day to do that. It's like, well, how are you going to do that? Because your your inventory is already filled up. So I think it's really important to kind of get what your goals are on paper and get real with with where you are. I don't know. Was that three? I don't even know. I, I don't I'm not even sure. I think kind of like a combo. So yeah. <laughs> hey, I mean I could keep going, but I don't I don't want to <laughs> But I think, you know, again, you make such an incredible point. And I love the way you approach it because I don't know if you even recognize this about yourself, but like you're so thoughtful about it. And I I just I really appreciate that, you know, um, because I would think someone would come in and you kind of can get that maybe like bulldozy effect, like you're looking for their help. Right. But at the same time, it's like kind of a sensitive thing that they're coming in and they're doing their thing for what they see for you. But you you know, help people from such a different perspective of what do you want from this space? What are you hoping to achieve and like um, dream or foresee this to be? And then you take it from there. And I just, you know, again, I think that's just a such a thoughtful way of going about it with someone. Well, thank you. I remember back in uh, when I was first starting the business and I remember it was just when like HGT and I'm a huge HGTV fan, so I'm not bashing them at all, but they were just starting to really like gain, like all those home shows were really, you know, those fixer upper shows were all kind of becoming really popular. And I was very intentional. I remember it very clearly saying, I don't want my business to be an HGTV show. Now, yes, 
is there something fun about a reveal? And occasionally I do those projects. Like I did a, I did a, a girl's, like a, like a tween girl's room. That was a friend of mine's daughter. And they, she went away and we redid her and, and it was great. And it was very, but that's not the typical thing. What I want is to be able to teach people and work with them, like, but teach them to understand the roadblocks, the pitfalls that they fall into and then create the systems and strategies that will work for them and their families. Because it's not a one-size-fits-all. And what works for me and what I like and the way that we operate in our house is very different than the way that somebody else operates in their house. So not only are spaces unique, like the actual physical spaces to work with, but people's lives are different and what motivates them and how they operate and who does what in terms of ownership it all is very different and so i was it was very important for me and that's why i always say my business is very relational because i want to get to know my clients and understand where you're struggling and why it's not just about the space right like the space is the byproduct of it you know this cluttered space is the byproduct of it but like let's go back to figure out and then we can kind of retrofit what's going to work as opposed to me just coming in here, making a diagnostic and say, oh, well, this, again, this bin basket fill in the blank is going to solve your problem because that might not be, you know, that's a little bit of a short-sighted response, in my opinion. It's really cool. That outlook you have that, you know, it is individualized. Like people, again, have like kind of common situations, but, you know, like um, there's still like a uniqueness to it. Um, for so many other factors. And, you know, you're also providing by the way you do it specifically. Um, it's really cool because you're giving them like long-term solutions, not just a, hey, this is going to work for you until it, you know, like kind of the person, you know, lets go of the things they learned or whatever. Sometimes, you know, we go back sometimes to our bad habits. Sure. You're giving them more of a chance to set them up for long-term success, the way you approach it, you know, uh, um, which is so valuable. Thank um, you. <laughs> so, okay. So kind of going, you know, back to the question of like when you would, you know, walk into someone else's space. Um, what's one of your biggest personal organizational challenges and how do you tackle it? Um, okay. So in all transparency right now, my biggest issue is digital clutter, which is like a whole other subset that we didn't even get into. Yeah. Uh, I, because I have like a lot of different facets to my business and I'm also involved in like a lot of things personally, like in our community and whatnot. I feel like I am constantly drinking from a fire hose when it comes to email and digital clutter. And I'm a digital person. Um, and so for me, sometimes I have to take a step back because that it can be that for me can be overwhelming. Um, but I would say really my ongoing my ongoing pitfall is calendar clutter. I don't struggle with emotional clutter. I really don't. I never have. Um, and the more I've learned about 
personality typologies, it's given me perspective as and some clarity, I would say, as to, I think, understanding maybe why that is. Um, and I'm not a volume person. So physical clutter because of volume, like I'm not a shopper. Like, you know, there's some people that just enjoy it and they like they like to shop and they like to try new things and they are constantly bringing new stuff in. And that's not me. Um, so for me personally, where I struggle is really being disciplined with my time. And that means setting boundaries for myself. Like that's a big thing is setting boundaries for how I'm spending my time, what I'm doing. Um, and and then again, not if I start to see that I'm like drifting into like, oh, let me procrastinate and go on social media or do something else. Let me kind of reel myself. Well, see, I think that uh, is nice. That makes you so relatable because you're not like, oh, nothing. I have no areas that are a challenge for me. Everybody, I so say all the time, every, you know? everybody's a little bit of a hot mess in their own way. And, <laughs> you know, my house isn't perfect. I just, the difference is I the stuff in my house ha- has a home. Like I know where it goes. Now, I may have a, a load of laundry that's not put away, but I'm, I know where it goes. I may have some stuff that I haven't gotten to because we're moving my daughter back into college. And so we've got like, you know, my house, you might walk in there and be like, oh, there's a bin out. Okay. Well, because I didn't have a chance to put it away. But the difference is I have a home. I'm not just going to shove it intentionally or just have it sit there inadvertently. So I, I and there's a freedom that comes from that. There's a piece of saying, okay, life is happening right now. We're busy, whether it's good stuff that's busy, or maybe there's something that's not good. Maybe you're struggling with it. You know, somebody's ill or there's something else that's taking your attention. I call that situational clutter. Like things will come up that the situation, I don't have time to put everything away right now because I have things that the priority is for me to to have my time and attention focused in over here. And that's okay. But when I do have the time to come back and regroup, I don't feel that overwhelmed because I know exactly I have the plan. And that's the difference. People that struggle with what I call like chronic clutter, and I'm not, again, I'm not describing like hoarders and people who have actual disorders. I'm talking about just busy people that just don't have the the strategies and the systems in place. And that's when you have the unopened mail constantly. You are constantly struggling with, you know, again, not knowing you have too much stuff and not enough space or whatever the situation is. You know, you're constantly, your bills are late because of this. Um, those are like, okay, let's get to the root of that and and address it and fix us start with where we are as opposed to saying okay like it's just a busy season right now and we can't get to it i i I love that perspective and i respect it because you know i grew up in that time where there was like plastic on the furniture and everything you and me both i did too so you know and you gotta say and you put it so eloquently like you know like it's just there for the moment. Like we don't live in a museum, right? We could be organized and things could look good. And some things are going to be like out of place yet. They're not out of place because, you know, we're living our lives in a real way 
Um, and that's so refreshing and like more realistic than the way with the, like we grew up, you know? And if you live with other people, it adds another layer, right? So if you live by yourself, you have a, a level of control of, you know, the, the, the amount of chaos for lack of a better word, that's going to happen. But when you have spouse, roommates, kids, some people have aging parents, whatever the situation is, you're now dealing with other people. And I think really the communication is, is so important. And again, the boundaries. And again, I say this to parents as a parent, you know, my kids, I have very specific rules of like, you can be messy and have clutter and not put stuff away in your space. But when you're in common areas, we're, there's certain just kind of like household rules and they, and they knew that it was like part of our, like you're part of this team, you're part of this family and they're just certain non-negotiables. And so we all have to kind of pitch in. And that is something that I've seen, you know, again, and they get it. And that way, when I'm just like, you know, my, my biggest, the joke around this is I'm like, that's not a drop spot. You know, somebody will put, <laughs> that's not a drop spot. Like it's, you know, but there are places that are drop spots, but you know, there are certain places where I'm like, mm, no. And I think that communication piece is really, really important. Excellent point. Uh, especially like you said, when you're dealing with multiple people, multiple like lifestyles that each of you are living with, you know, together. Um, People's thresholds for clutter are completely different. And that goes into the work that I do, you know, specifically like with the Enneagram. It really has been eye-opening for me to be able to see how different personality types view clutter and what their threshold is for um disorganization. Now, okay, because you brought it up, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Okay, so, go for it. You, you offer um, an online course on uh, Enneagram and clutter and a clutter clinic. So what is the significance um, of the Enneagram and how does it play a key role in getting organized? Great question. One of my favorite things to talk about. So we could just, <laughs> we, I, I will try to keep it brief because we could do a whole episode just on the Enneagram and I will not do that. But so you'll nutshell, have to come back. See? <laughs> I will happily come back. So in a nutshell, for anybody who is unfamiliar, the Enneagram is a personality typology. So you think of Myers-Briggs, Strength Finders, all of the different types of personality typologies. The Enneagram is another one. It has nine different, it's Greek, Enneagram. Enneagram is um, Greek for nine types, basically. And there's all of these layers that play into it. And we're not even going to go down that whole rabbit hole. But what the key part that is very important and what distinguishes the Enneagram from other personality typologies is that it looks at your core unconscious motivation for doing things, not your behavior. So the why you do what you do. And again, we're talking about your unconscious motivation. Like, so you don't even like realize it. It's just kind of like how you are. And there are, you have one Enneagram type throughout your life and there's, you 
and I'll explain how you can find out your Enneagram type if you if you're interested. Um, but also what I love about it, so I love that it looks at your motivation, not your behavior. But the other thing that I like about it, and if you look at if you look at the diagram of the Enneagram, it's a circle with a triangle and then all these like crazy arrows. And the rep they all have a a purpose, right? They're they're obviously there for a reason because the Enneagram is fluid. And so there's really just like I talked about with clutter, where physical, emotional, counter clutter all intertwine, but there's one that's dominant, kind of think of the Enneagram the same way. So there's a little bit of each type in all of us, but we all have one dominant type. So it's not as rigid to say, um, you know, like for me, like I'm an eight and that's it. So I, because I'm relational, I have touch points to different types. So for me, because I have spent the past decade plus studying the why of clutter. When I was introduced to the Enneagram about five years ago, it really fascinated me. And I had my own little light bulb moment there of going, I'd like to really investigate this to see where the connection points could be with people's Enneagram type. Or if there was, it was more of a hypothesis of what does your personality type say about how you relate to clutter based on your type? Um, and so I went down this five-year rabbit hole of studying and courses and interviewing and books and you name it and focus groups and really developed a framework, if you will, for looking at understanding what the different each of the different types are and where they're naturally strong like where each of the different types have their natural gifts and where some of them struggle and how you can use the intuitive characteristics of your type to deal with clutter going back to that one size doesn't that one size fits all or doesn't fit all approach were you even surprised yourself? You know, you were kind of getting into it loosely. And then, you know, you said you ended up spending like five plus years, like researching it and learning more. Were you even surprised yourself, like how integral it was and, you know, um, what effect it really did have? Yeah, it it really, and I continue. So now it's like, I say it all now. And it's not that I'm typing other people because I don't, and you're not supposed to type other people because, again, it's based on motivation, not behavior. But I find it really fascinating. And the more I continue to grow and study and practice and talk to people who are those different types and start to see kind of where are their through lines, but it's not, but it's also interesting to see where, oh, you're a four and you struggle with this, and you're a four and you've, you've developed that weaker muscle, right? So this isn't as intuitive for you, but you've been able to overcome it. So it's also, it gives you, it gives you hope and freedom to say, not like to be like, oh, great, I'm such and such. So that means I'm doomed. No, it's not like that at all. It's just, you know, that there's certain things like where you go, why do some things come easy to me and other things don't? Well, I know again, with the Enneagram, there's they basically talk about three main centers, right? So I talk about the three types of clutter. There's three centers in the Enneagram, thinking, feeling, and doing. So you are either, there are certain types that are dominant with emotion, 
So they are in the heart triad. They think very, you know, that's their how they take in and process information, right? They are feeling first. And then you've got you've got other types that are very analytical and they're in what's called as the head triad. And so that their center is very thought focused. And that's how they take in and process information where it's data and analytics. And then you've got another group that are what they call the gut center. And that is you are, you are leading with your intuition. And so depending on your Enneagram type, you're going to be stronger in one and weaker in a different one. And so that has been very, very fascinating for me to really be able to say, okay, great. So we know this about you. So if this is something that you might, you, if your type tends to, if you know that you're somebody who takes and processes information with feelings, it's natural that you're going to probably struggle with more emotional clutter. That's natural. So now we need to put in some practices to help you with execution. Now we need to help you with some practices to actually either bring logic into this and and say, okay, we know how we feel, but like, let's look at the facts or let's actually take some action on it. And for someone like me, I don't struggle with emotional clutter. So I'm very gut-driven, intuition, let's go with the flow. So I have to then dial it back and sometimes go, okay, well, maybe we need to have a little bit more grace for people who do struggle with emotional clutter because you know, this is a real thing for them. And so just understanding all of the different types, not just your type, has been really, really transformational from a, from a relational standpoint, whether it's with my spouse, with my kids, but specifically my my framework looks at the connection points relating to clutter. It's really cool. You could like relay it to broader points of your life, you know, and how then you yourself use it in a mindful way of helping your clients, you know, because uh, again, you're thinking of it from their perspective and you're like, well, I think this way, but they think this way, you know. Well, well that's that's it, right? We talk about the golden rule, but when you're talking about the Enneagram, the golden rule doesn't apply because like for me, I'm a direct tell it like it is person that I'm your tough love kind of friend. Well, so I, if I'm going to talk to people like that, that's how I want to be talked to because that's how I see. But you talk to somebody else and that could become offensive or abrasive or off-putting. And so again, I also can look at clutter and I could see a space and be like, why would you not put the dishes in the dishwasher? Why would you leave that out? Why wouldn't you just take the extra two seconds and hang up your coat? Like to me, that that whether I'm an organizer or not, just from my the way my brain works, why would I not do this? And there are certain types on the Enneagram that I consider I call them the clutter blind types. You know, like there are people that are just doesn't stress them out. They don't see it. And other people have a like actual physical visceral reaction to clutter. And so we can't just assume that how we interpret what we consider disorganization or we consider clutter that the other people in our in our lives feel the same way because our threshold's different than theirs. And so this has been again really really it's it's been super helpful because it gives language where we didn't otherwise have it, where it's like, you might know that you 
feel a certain way, but you don't necessarily know how to articulate it. And this provides some language and it provides context. And I'm very, very careful to say, it's not an excuse. It doesn't give you a pass. (laughs) It doesn't give somebody a pass to say, well, I'm sorry, I struggle with emotional clutter. I'm an Enneagram four. Okay. Like, no, no, no. What that means is, okay, there's some context for you. So now we know this. So now we're going to put some specific like strategies in place that are going to help you that you're not going to have to white knuckle anything, right? Because nobody wants to white knuckle their way through something because that is not sustainable. You want to find sustainable things that are going to be, um, that are going to work for you. And I've, and I've done this all through practice, like with my kids as my guinea pigs or, you know, how I relate with other people. And um, there really is, there really is a very big difference when you, going back to our earlier point, when you're sitting and taking the time to find out what is motivating and what is triggering to somebody and what their goals are versus just coming in there and trying to fix something that isn't to your standards. So, okay. You have a podcast. Mm -hmm. um, It's called The Organized Life. And what is the most impactful story that someone has shared with you and why did it affect you? Oh my gosh, that is like a really big question. I've had so (laughs) many, so many great guests. It's really, it really is hard to, to pick one. Um, I mean, we've interviewed people, I think for me, um, Gosh, it really is hard for me to pick one, but I mean, one that stands out, I, I can't say this is my only one, but one that stands out is um, there's, a, and I don't know which episode it is um, off the top of my head, but there's a woman who I interviewed and she has a product that is called the Glory Days Planner. And the Glory Days Planner was designed, she created it out of a need. Her daughter was born with Down syndrome. And when her daughter was born, she had all of these, like so many doctor's appointments and specialists were coming in and this therapy and that therapy. And she was trying to find like a some sort of organizer. And this is where, again, this is a product. And so I, again, I do think products can be helpful if it's meeting your need. And for her, she was, tr- she was buying all these different planners and organizers and she couldn't find one that was really had all the components that she needed. So she just sat down and said, okay, I know I need a page for this. I know I need a folder for this. I know I need to be able to have this here. I need a place for this. And she just came up with all of these things that were addressing all of her pain points as a mom with a special needs child. This is what's going to help me to keep all of the things that I have, um, corralled and organized. So going back to that ease of retrieval that I talk about, it would allow me to be able to have the information that I need at my fingertips, as opposed to just papers and whatnot everywhere. And so then she wound up doing this for herself and then had some friends who were also like, oh my gosh, where'd you get this? And she's like, I kind of just made it. And has turned it now into a business called the Glory Days. Um, And it was all stemmed out of you know, her own need and almost desperation to try to find something so that she could stay 
above water with all of the things that she needed to do. And so I just found it was a really, I mean, she's adorable and inspiring. And um, I just love that. So that was, you know, it's people like that, that I like to showcase because, um, you know, they're solving a problem for people. Oh, I love how you came together and you both like used your passions and your strong points to like uplift each other. And, you know, I, I was saying like, like, that's my whole goal for Gal and the Goal, you know, to uplift each other. So um, that's a very cool story. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I love, I mean, and I talked to, I, I love talking, you know, and I've talked to some like, you know, I've talked to some big celebrities and that's great too. But I love, I love talking to just real women who had a passion or a story or an, or a, uh, you know, a, a struggle and were able to triumph over it. And especially if you're able to then turn it and pay it forward and provide a solution for other people. So that's why that particular episode sticks out to me. You also offer clutter clinics uh, and can you please explain like to listeners the value sure. of those clinics? Sure. So um, I started the clutter clinic in years ago. It was an in-person speaker event that I, that I started because I found that there were, there was this audience of people for lack of a better word. I had people that were going to hire me to come into their homes and that was great. And then there were other people that for whatever the variety of reasons were, whether it was money, whether it was shame, whether it was pride, like I should be able to do it, whatever the reason was, they were interested in what I had to say, but they weren't never going to like pull the trigger and say, I want you to come in the house. And that's okay. Like you don't always have to. I mean, and that's the beauty of podcasting, I think, and books and resources that you can DIY things. And at the time, I really only had this like all or nothing, right? Well, I had a blog. This is going back to 2013. So like you could hire me to come and help you and my team and I would go in there and help you organize your space. Or you could just read my blog and go on your merry way. And I said, there has to be a way that I could really impact these other women who are interested in what I have to say, but for whatever reason, aren't going to necessarily have me into their home. And so I kind of just pulled unofficially, like really informally, some of my mom friends and people that I, you know, knew from church and my neighborhood and whatever, and said, Hey, if I were to put together like a lunch and learn, and we come together for a couple hours and talk about some organizing strategies, and you bring a friend and whatever while your kids are in school, would that be something that would be of interest to you? And they were like, Yeah. So I created this clutter clinic series and sold out. And then from there, I started doing clutter clinic kitchens and clutter clinic playrooms and all these like specific ones to sp to different spaces. But it was great. And they were, you know, again, fun, informal, lighthearted, um, but, it, but also inspiring and informational about really talking about a lot of the stuff that we talked about, but obviously much deeper. And it was great. And so it was something again that was done. This is years before 
Zoom and virtual stuff. And what I loved about it was you still, you didn't lose that relational piece. It wasn't like just going to YouTube and seeing, watching somebody fold something. They were still able to ask me their questions, come with their pain points. We were able to talk about it. And so you still had that relational piece. And that's really what I loved about the Clutter Clinic. Um, And then fast forward, when I started mentoring other professional organizers who are learning to grow their businesses, one of the big areas that they were struggling with or that they were interested in growing is I really want to get paid to speak. I really want to diversify my services. I'm only, you know, I, how can I do that? And I said, when I started talking to them about the clutter clinic, they're like, oh my God, can I do that? Like, I want to do that. So then I said, well, yeah, let's license. So then I started licensing the clutter clinic framework to other professional organizers. So um, in short, it's something that I still do um, with people call me and ask me to come in and speak to their group and do a clutter clinic. I love doing them. Um, And then when the pandemic happened, we were able to turn it virtual. So when everyone, when lockdown first happened, I did a clutter clinic virtual one. And again, it was nice, but my whole thing is it's not it's not a court like the Enneagram and clutter course is like modules that you go through and it's me talking, but there's it's it's one sided. You're you're downloading, you're absorbing this content on your own. Um, it's basically like an audiobook or whatever. Um, but the clutter clinic, the the value of the clutter clinic is you're talking to an expert, you're talking to somebody that can provide you the solutions, you're talking about your specific pain points. And so because not everybody can afford to fly me around and I'm not available to fly all over, my network of professional organizers from all over then can now offer clutter clinics in their communities. And so um, it's just been, it's been great to watch it grow. And we're able to serve so many other people who, again, for whatever reasons, and there's a multitude of them, we're never going to convert to becoming clients in the your traditional sense. And this is a way for them to still be able to have the touch point of a professional organizer without the price tag. I love that. I love it because it's reaching people, you know, um, to your point, like of all different levels, mm-hmm. uh, it makes it accessible, which is yes. really cool. I have to have you on again. I think it would be really fun to um because you've got awesome spunk and positive energy and Mm -hmm. i think it'd be really fun maybe we do this around the holidays and we can do a a live show with a a couple of questions from listeners and stuff. i would love it i would i would love it absolutely (laughs) yeah for sure awesome to sign up for Lori's classes check out her organizer resources take her clutter quiz and more Go to her website at www.simplybeorganized.com or connect with Lori on her IG page where she shares tons of excellent organization expertise at this Organized Life Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to unplug with me today, Lori. Rock on. Rock on.